When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome in, everybody. This is episode 157 of Catfish on Ice podcast with your host, Chad Minton, on this Sunday fun day. And it's a little bit more fun, isn't it? Because the Nashville Predators, well, they're streaking for the first time in North America this season after having a big-time comeback win over the Vancouver Canucks in Vancouver on Saturday night. They come back to win in the shootout by a final score of four to three after a night that started off in disastrous fashion. Let me just say that we are going to open up episode 157 with complete reaction of how that game unfolded, what we should take away from that game moving forward. And then of course, do we still have plenty of reasons for concern? I think we do. I'm going to break that down for you. We're going to talk about the players who stood out in that game. I can already think of one major one, and that is Jordan Gross. We're going to talk more about him as he is getting thrust into the lineup as a young defenseman, and the Predators are really counting on him to have a big-time performance and provide some stability to the defense that's had so many issues, so many breakdowns. Going to get into that and some other players that really – really stood out in that game as, again, the Predators win 4-3 to three in shootout fashion over the Vancouver Canucks. They have themselves a little two-game winning streak, about as modest as you can get there, after also beating the Calgary Flames on Thursday in what I would call absolutely without even a shadow of a doubt their most impressive win of the season was their win over the Calgary Flames back on Thursday. So they've won a couple games in a row, stopping the bleeding just a tad, but there's still so many issues with this team we're going to get into later. We're going to look at also the Central Division as a whole. It's starting to take shape a little bit, but it's still a very, very hard division to figure out right now. Very unpredictable. Just take your preseason predictions and throw them in the garbage, shred them, never to be talked about again because the Central Division is out of whack. I mean, you've got the Dallas Stars hanging out up there. Everyone thought they'd be a decent team, but the way they're playing right now, wow. So I'm going to break that down and also discuss with you just where I think the Predators fit now and do they have a fighting chance to be relevant in this division when it's all said and done for a ninth straight playoff appearance. And that's what we're looking at here. If the Preds don't make the playoffs this year, you got to fire John Hines. We've already really talked about this a ton. He may not get fired during the season, but if the Predators miss the playoffs after building this type of a roster over the offseason, there are no excuses, and usually the head coach takes the fall first. So we are going to get into that. Got to look ahead at the upcoming schedule because uh, this six-game stretch coming up here is things are about to get real for this team. And judging how they come out of this six-game stretch in these teams I'm going to talk about that are upcoming on the schedule, it's really going to shape just how bad it is or maybe on the flip side, just how much we might have been overreacting a little bit. Maybe this team will be just fine. Really, really got this these next six games 
circled as big time games here, mostly due to the step up in opponents, step up in oppositions, getting real. As I'm about to get into, this went over the Canucks, write it off. I mean, it's great that they figured out a way to win. I'm not taking that away from them, but it's the Canucks. Come on now. They're one of the worst teams in the Western Conference. Team's a mess. So I'm looking at these next six opponents here that I'm going to round out the episode talking about. And yeah, it's time to get some really impressive wins like you did against Calgary. You got to get a few more of those coming up in these next six games. Because the Predators, they will begin to fade fast in the Central Division conversation if that continues. So that's what we got in store here in this post-game reaction episode of the Vancouver Canucks matchup. The Vancouver Canucks uh, defeat by the Predators. So before that, we are part of the Hockey Podcast Network and we are presented by DraftKings. Promo code THPN. Please go down below and hit the subscribe button if you're checking out the YouTube video or... If you're listening right now on one of your favorite podcast platforms, be sure to head to our YouTube channel, hit subscribe. If you're on Twitter, follow us at Catfish Ice. We're also on Facebook and Instagram. Always appreciate that. When we do live episodes every week, live streams with my co-host Rich Howe and Kyle Perkins, we always have a ton of listeners get in on the live conversation. It's always a lot of fun. It's a blast. So hit the subscribe button so you can get notifications for when we're going live with our episodes. We'll have another live episode coming up sometime next week. We will let you know when that's coming. And, of course, our great friends at the Hockey Podcast Network, we really appreciate them giving us an awesome platform to share this podcast with everybody. All right, so let's get into it with the opening face-off of episode 157 of Catfish on Ice, and that is that the Predators avoid disaster and they complete the comeback against the lowly Vancouver Canucks. I hate to be the Debbie Downer here, but it is the Vancouver Canucks, everybody. And the Predators could not have figured out a worse way to open up a game against a such horrendous opponent. No offense to any Canucks fans that are listening, but you cannot open a game that way. And it was a collective effort. First of all, one of the worst first periods I have seen individually for UC Soros in a long time. He did not look comfortable. The first goal giving up, given up in the game was just a goal that Soros has to have. And it wasn't despite there was a defensive breakdown that gave the Canucks a chance to pounce, but it was still a goal from the outside, from the perimeter um, that Soros of his caliber – should be able to snag, especially that early in the game. The Canucks get on the board in the first two minutes of regulation, and they're already up one nothing. Again, like I said, it's a snapshot, and it's just it's 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 a routine save for a goaltender the caliber of UC Soros. He lets it by, and then it gets worse. Two minute less than two minutes later in regulation into the game, Canucks pounce to a two nothing lead. So just like that, you're down two nothing. The second goal given up was the product of a young mistake by Jordan Gross. These growing pains are going to happen. You know, all the fans, they want to see these young players in the lineup, and I get it. I'm right there with you on that one. But you're going to have the trade-off there is you're going to get these um, turnovers by your young players. And if you look at the goal that JT Miller scores here, 
It's a pass back to Jordan Gross. He mishandles the puck trying to pass it. And just like that, the Canucks just pounce on UC Soros. The, the rest of the defense has no time to react. And just like that, you're down 2 nothing Again, it was the product of Jordan Gross mishandling the puck. Maybe the, the intensity of the situation got the best of him and he just lost a little focus. It's understandable. I say it all the time. These players, they're human. And that's what happened with Jordan Gross. He mishandled the puck, and you're down 2 nothing. We're going to talk a little bit more about Jordan Gross and how his night went here coming up very soon. But it's a horrible way to open the game. And you're already thinking, okay, time to turn this game off, and we're only four minutes into the game. But just because Soros has just not been in good situations lately, and it's not all – on him, but he also has played a part in that by not being his best. And so you're already down to nothing talking about a team that's really struggled to generate consistent offense, even along with their shaky defense. It's just been an all-around really bad overall season for the Predators in many different ways of the parts of the game. So you're down to nothing and not only that, but the Predators can't even really generate any shots on goal to try to cut into that lead as the first period rolls on. They are they only end up getting three shots on goal. Excuse me, three shots on goal to the Canucks' 13 shots on goal in the first period. So it's just a, that first period you're thinking, how in the hell are the Predators going to bounce back from this? They haven't shown us all season that, that they're capable of doing that. If anything, they've shown us that they're capable of surrendering leads when they jump out ahead. So maybe it's better to come from the other way in and only be down by two. But then the Canucks actually take a 3 nothing lead on the power play going into the second period. So it's a 3 nothing deficit after the first period. And you're, you're ready to change the channel. You're ready. To, I wouldn't even blame the most diehard fan if they turned the game off after the first period last night. That's how bad it was to open the game. And you're just thinking, wow, that Flames game, that Flames win was a mirage. That's what you're thinking. Because every now and then, every team has its day, and you get an impressive win. And this is where something flipped, and the Predators refused. I, I have a combination of I want to give the Predators credit because they did dig deep, and they did figure out a way to – fight and claw their way back into this game despite being down three goals. But I also have to look at the opponent here. The Canucks are one of the worst teams in the Western Conference. When it's all said and done, they might be the worst team in the Western Conference. They're that bad. They're they're certainly down there among the three worst teams if you want to include the San Jose Sharks and if you want to maybe throw the Coyotes in there. But the Coyotes, they, they're definitely not tanking. They're playing hard hockey. So, I mean, the Canucks are just – they're way down there. They're not a good team at all. So, I have a combination of both. You have to take into account who they beat, but you also have to give credit where credit's due that no matter the opponent, the Predators were down 3 nothing, and it's always hard to make up a three-goal deficit. Let's talk about Jordan Gross. So, he is a defensive prospect who has – a lot of offensive talents to his game. He's a very smooth skater. He moves the puck well. And that's why I am on board with him being in this lineup. 
even with some of the mistakes he's going to make, like the one he made um, early in this game. He scores on the power play, tip-in style, in the second period, and the comeback is on. It was only three minutes into the second period. Comeback's on. You're down two. Two feels way better than three down, obviously. And Jordan Gross gets the monkey off his back a little bit here. He And I love how he didn't let an early mistake in the game bury the rest of the game for him. He That's, that's a veteran response there from a very young player. Veterans, they don't let mistakes. Mistakes are going to happen, especially early in the game. You have a whole game to play. And Jordan Gross stayed focused. He stayed into the game. And he gets his first NHL goal to start the Preds' comeback. Assist from Matthias Ekholm and Nino Niederreiter. Then Gross scores again on a wrister that was gorgeous. Early in the third period. And when you're down two goals going into the third period, it is really, really critical to get that first goal early in the period because it sets everything back up. It allows you to treat this almost like it's a 0-0 game again because you've still got a whole third period to play and you're only down one. You don't have to press as much. You can be a little bit more selective because you've got so much of the period left to get that final equalizing goal. So Jordan Gross scoring just a little over a minute into the third period was huge. Zach Sanford gets the assist along with the secondary assist from Mark Jankowski. So just like that, you're down 3-2, to two, and this is where the Preds completely seized control of this game and said it's not happening tonight. We're, we're a bad team right now, but we're not as bad as the Vancouver Canucks. We are not that bad. We're going to make amends for that first period, and we're going to figure out a way to get two points tonight because we have to against a team like the Canucks. We have to. Cannot be surrendering points in the standings against a team like the Vancouver Canucks. So the period rolls on. I will say the Canucks got their chances as well. It wasn't like they weren't testing Soros. Let me get back to UC Soros as well. He completely settled down and played his game and helped – propel the Predators' comeback attempt, comeback attempt as well by making a ton of really good saves down the stretch. He came up clutch. He didn't let the first period bury him either. And that's what Vesna-caliber goalies do. He ends up making 42 saves in this game, which is a season high, only his third win of the season. But you know what? Definitely after that first period disaster, he settled in and ends up doing what he's done plenty of times already in his young Predators career, which is be a main focal point as to why the Predators were able to get the two points. So I want to definitely not overlook what UC Soros did in this game with 42 saves, which was his season high so far. All right, Nino Niederreiter ends up getting the tying goal not too long after Jordan Gross made it 3-2. to two. So remember how I just said getting that early goal when you're down two going into the third period is huge because it allows you to settle down and maybe not press as much because you have the rest of the period to get the equalizer. Well, the Predators decided, you know what, we're not going to settle down. We're going to keep pushing. We're going to keep – we're going to really give the Canucks a knockout punch here. And although it wasn't a knockout punch because this game did end up going to overtime – it really did flip the game on its head here when Nino Niederreiter scores a very veteran, savvy-like goal. He just gets in close on Thatcher Demko, pounds at the puck, 
squeaks it by him. We know he's a big body. We know he's a physical presence. That's why the Predators brought him in. Niederreiter has six goals on the season now. And so you had a whole, almost a whole entire third period left, and we're tied at three to three. The comeback is complete. But, of course, the Predators had to make sure they didn't give up another goal to the Canucks and come away with zero points despite the comeback. And that would have been gut-wrenching for me. I was already thinking about it. I put out there on Twitter that I felt like a phantom borderline penalty was coming up for the Predators. They were going to have to go on the penalty kill. And although the Preds penalty kill has actually been one of the few bright spots of this team this year, I was just I had I had these nightmare visions that the Predators were going to have to kill a penalty. The Canucks were going to go back ahead four to three, and this team this team's comeback attempt was going to be spoiled. They were going to come away with zero points, and I was just so concerned about that. But as I just mentioned, Soros played great. The team did did play a little bit smarter and avoided any really bad penalties that put, would put them in that situation. And just like that, we are heading to overtime as the Predators come back from 3-0 down. The overtime was pretty exciting, I must say. Uh, both teams play – got to say, and I said this as well during the game, I I haven't seen two teams play that effective and that that strong of three on three defense in a while. It's hard to play a really structured defense when there's that much open ice. Most of the time, overtime is settled within the first couple minutes because a team gets possession, they play keep away, and then they just pounce on the goalie and it's over pretty fast. But I felt like both teams played the puck very, very well defensively, and it was it was trading possession. Both teams were trying to dominate and play keep away, which is what usually happens in overtime when it's three on three hockey. But I thought it was pretty good defense from both teams. And so this game had to go to a shootout. Mikel Granlin about had the walk-off win in this game as well. He scored almost right before regulation was over before it went to overtime. So there was plenty of excitement going down the stretch and this game goes to a shootout and Soros technically only has to make two of the three save attempts because the third save, the Canucks player lost the puck, didn't even make a shot attempt, which is um, a pretty bad blunder there. But Matt Duchesne scores the one shootout goal that was needed to get the extra point, and the Predators end up getting two points on the night via the shootout. Even though I hate the shootout so much, I would much rather the NHL have a 10-minute overtime instead of a 5-minute overtime. And most of your games would be settled in that 10-minute slot, and you would never have to use the shootout. I do not like the shootout. It is just so gimmicky to me. But in this case, it works out for the Predators. Matt Duchesne scores to get the extra point, despite what I would call a very ghost-like performance from Matt Duchesne. And it shows in his expected goals. Matt Duchesne had a 0.15 expected goals for, according to moneypuck.com. That doesn't get much lower than that. I mean, that's like pretty much as close as you can get to being a ghost in a game. I know there's more to a hockey game than scoring, but when I look at a player like Matt Duchesne, uh, your, one of your biggest goals is to be producing goals and scoring goals, and it's just not happening for him right now. I do love that he got the shootout goal to at least get the Predators an extra point but he has got to settle things down here 
because it seems to me like he's frustrated and with his own personal play and the Predators need him to wake up and turn back into last year's Matt Duchesne or at least come close to it uh, to start beating some of these better teams that are coming up on the schedule, which I'm going to talk about here in a few. But uh, thanks for listening. This is Catfish and Ice episode 157 as we continue to talk about the Predators beating the Canucks 4-3 to via the shootout for their second win in a row, just their fifth win of the season overall as they look to – Stop the bleeding here. They need to string together like a three, four, or five-game winning streak to really get back on track here, in my opinion. And so this is their second win in a row here. Uh, looking at some of the scores here, as we mentioned, Jordan Gross has two goals in the game. Niederreiter scores the other goal, assist from Sanford. Ekholm had two assists in the game. Jankowski with an assist. How about Mark Jankowski? He has been outstanding since he has been called up uh, since the Kiefer Sherwood news came out where he was sent to waivers, kind of surprised by a lot of people. And instead of calling up Philip Tomasino, the Predators chose to call up the veteran Mark Jankowski, who has over 200 games of NHL experience, mostly with the Calgary Flames. He scores in his debut with the Predators on Thursday against his former team that drafted him, the Flames. And then in this game, tallies an assist, only 13-21 of ice time. Only had one shot on goal. One ten of his 15 face-offs. That should not be glossed over there. That's pretty huge. That is a big-time development there for Mark Jankowski. Ryan Johansson, we know that he's always very trusted in the face-off circle. He won 14 face-offs. Colton Sissons won six face-offs. But for the most part, going back to Jankowski, I thought he's been a great presence. You need to keep him in the lineup, moving forward. He is uh, looked really well, and I, I don't see any reason to pull him out right now. He's got the veteran experience. He's doing a lot of things well in his first two games, and I don't like this constant blender of trying a player out for a couple of games and then calling up another player and trying that player out for a couple of games. I don't like that. I want to I keep a consistent lineup for at least the next – I don't know, five to ten games at least. Let's get in that range there. Live with the consequences. See what these players can do. Can they start building some more chemistry with each other, which is what you really need to be doing right now. So I like Jankowski staying in that role for the foreseeable future. Uh, and Jordan Gross, despite that early game mistake, I am also all in on keeping him in the lineup and letting him grow and develop. That was a great development in that game where he – bounces back for two goals after making such a bad error to open the game that led to a Vancouver Canucks goal. So I am very, very encouraged by what I'm, I saw from Jordan Gross, and he needs to be staying in the lineup for the foreseeable future, along with Mark Jankowski. Two newcomers to the lineup that I think you can build off of here. So that's what we got from the Canucks game, a 4-3 to three win. In the standings, we're about to talk about the Central Division and what it looks like. Before I get to that, we I appreciate you listening. This is episode 157 of Catfish on Ice as we are presented by DraftKings and part of the Hockey Podcast Network. Let me tell you about DraftKings real quick, hockey fans. It's finally time to hit the ice again. And thanks to DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL, you're in for the season of a lifetime. New customers can bet $5 on any team 
and get $200 in free bets if they win. Predators take on the Seattle Kraken in their next performance here. Do you think the Predators can get their first three-game winning streak of the season? Are you thinking that they're starting to finally turn a corner? If so, you can throw down $5 on the National Predators against the Seattle Kraken and win $200 in free bets if the Predators win. If that wasn't enough excitement, you can turn small bets into bigger payouts with same-game parlays, combine multiple bets like which team will win, how many goals will be scored, and more for your shot at an even bigger payout. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable, and you can deposit and withdraw your cash wherever you want. So what are you waiting for? Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THPN, bet $5 on any NHL team to win their game, and get $200 in free bets if they do. That's code THPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. Please see our show notes below the episode for details on how to get gambling help if you are having a gambling crisis and you need help. We have all the information below in the episode for information on that. Let's move ahead here and look at the upcoming six-game stretch that I talked about at the beginning of this episode that is really going to set a tone for whether this team is going to turn a corner and get back to where kind of in that neighborhood of where we figured they would be going into the season, or are they really about to just fall apart here and turn this into a um, a season where we're going to highly doubt that they even make the playoffs, which will be disastrous, and at that point I think you have to to fire John Hines and not bring him back for the second season of his two-year deal that he signed over the offseason. There will be no excuses to miss the playoffs with this roster that he has at his disposal. And the head coach always takes the fall first before the players do, almost always. So let's look at this next six-game stretch. I just brought up the Seattle Kraken. They are next on the schedule. They, they're on Tuesday as the Predators are rounding out this road trip here. And they've got two wins on this road trip so far. Seattle Kraken are going to offer you a much more difficult task than what the Vancouver Canucks did. I cannot stress that a month, stress that enough. The Kraken, they are a much improved team from their expansion year. And when you look at their roster, they are extremely deep. They have Plenty of very impressive players on this roster that you have to worry about. They have seven players who have at least eight points on the season already. Seven players. That is deep. They've got their leading goal scorer is, is Andre Burakovsky, who is uh, their new newcomer on the team. Seven goals for him. Jaden Swartz has ten points, five goals, five assists. Matty Beneers, the big rookie sensation, looks the part this year. He is dynamic. You have to keep tabs on him. He has got five goals on the season and nine points overall. Jared McCann has been with the Kraken from the start. He is another great leader for this team. He has got eight points. Vince Dunn is another good veteran. Brandon Tanev and those awesome mug shots he always puts out there also is another player you got to watch out for. Jordan Everly. I mean, this team is very, very deep. Morgan Geeky is a, is a good player. Yanni Gord. I mean, you just look up and down the lineup. Yorkstrad. I mean, seriously, they got Alexiak to give them some muscle. Adam Larson gives them even more muscle. This team is extremely, extremely deep. I, I just 
they're so much better, I believe, than what they were in their expansion year. And then you look at their goaltender situation. They've got Martin Jones. They appear to really be moving forward with him over Philip Grubauer, who Philip Grubauer has just been a mess in his Kraken tenure. So Martin Jones looks to be their main goaltending force, which he is a veteran and he is the type of goaltender that can steal wins for you plenty of times. And he is off to a 6-3-1 and record, 2.61 goals against average, and a .901 save percentage. Not astounding, but he is still a quality enough goaltender to where with that lineup of Fords, you can win a lot of games. And that's exactly what the Kraken are doing. They're on a four-game winning streak right now. And they have got some impressive wins. I mean, I'm going to go ahead and tell you who they've beaten in their four-game winning streak here, they've got went two wins over the Pittsburgh Penguins, who the Penguins are a reeling team. They've got a win over the Calgary Flames, and they got a shutout win over the Minnesota Wild recently. So the Kraken are going to be a very, very difficult test for the Nashville Predators coming up here. It's going to be um, – it's going to take a much better performance and definitely a much better start to the game than what they showed us against the Vancouver Canucks. Uh, you can't fall behind 3 nothing to the team, league's best teams and expect to come back. Uh, again, not trying to be negative here. It's just the way it is. So the Predators focus going into Tuesday. Now that they've, they've got a little bit of a break here, going into Tuesday on the road at Seattle, it's going to be a very loud and difficult environment. I'm sure that fan base is completely fired up right now, as they should be. Um, if you're the Predators, your first focus is we've got to start games way better. We can't dig ourselves into a hole. We Even if you don't score the first goal, you can't, definitely can't fall behind 3 nothing going into the first intermission. You can't let that happen. And you've got to generate more offense early in the game. Five shots on goal at one point in the second period against Vancouver is not going to get it done against the majority of NHL teams, especially teams of the quality of the Seattle Kraken. So if the Predators are going to get their first three-game winning streak of the season on Tuesday, it's going to take a very strong effort, much stronger than what they showed us against the Canucks. Up after that, well, we know about the Colorado Avalanche. And um, even though the Avalanche have not been quite as impressive as maybe you would expect them to be, it's still, you know, it's still the Avalanche. And I think they're going to eventually round out and be just fine. The Avalanche are 6-4-1 and one on the season, so pretty average for a team like the Avalanche, the defending Stanley Cup champs, but it is our first meeting with the Avalanche since they gave the Predators their first franchise sweep in team history. So have that game circled, but again, that's that's an opponent where I don't care what how ordinary and average their record is to open the season so far. The Avalanche are a team that will completely roast you if you have self-inflicted wounds, if you go to the penalty box constantly, and you hang your goaltender out to dry with shaky defensive breakdowns. The Avalanche will put five or six goals on you on, on in this game. So let's just keep that in mind here. Luckily, the Predators have some time to prepare for that. But obviously, they're focused on Seattle. But I'm looking further ahead here. So that game against the Avalanche scares scares me big time based on how this team's performing. Even after beating Calgary and even after beating Vancouver, that game against the Avs, I do have very, very little confidence in. But we'll see. 
We'll see what happens. Then the Predators come home for four games out of this six-game stretch. They get the New York Rangers at home. Um, another really, really tough opponent there. And that's what I was getting at when I said this six-game stretch is really – we're going to see what this team is truly, truly made of here. Are they a team that can hang with some of the league's best teams or are they a mediocre French playoff team once again and we're going to have to sweat it out until the last couple games of the season to see if this team sneaks in with the wild card and has to play the Avalanche and get sacrificed again or maybe even play the Dallas Stars as good as they look. I don't know. So the Rangers will be at home, probably half Shesterkin in that, and um, the way this team is struggling to generate a lot of offense – and not putting a lot of shots on goal right now. Don't like the chances against Igor Shesterkin in the New York Rangers. Then you take on the Minnesota Wild. They are a very hard team to figure out. The Wild, much like the Predators, they are starting to play much better recently, but the Minnesota Wild are another team that has opened the season very, very poor fashion. And a lot of people had the Wild pegged as their second best team in the Central Division behind the Avalanche. And the Minnesota Wild are currently 5-5-1 five, five, and one on the season. They opened up the season really, really bad. They've bounced back recently. That's a game that I, I'll call it ahead of time here, a toss-up. I do think the Predators, if they play a very strong game, they play smart, play focused, play up to their abilities, I think they can beat a team like the Minnesota Wild when I'm looking at this six-game stretch here. Then you get the Islanders, another toss-up game. The Islanders are back and forth. Hard team to figure out this early in the season. The Islanders are currently seven and five on the season, though, and they've got a wild card spot. Uh, so they're not they're they're playing well. I mean, they're not, but they're not a team that was expected to do much this season. So we'll see. I think that's a game that the Predators should be able to win on paper. Then the this six game stretch here. I'm talking about this critical six game stretch rounds out against the Tampa Bay Lightning at home on November 19th. So I'm looking at it here. Do I think the Predators could figure out a way to win three of these six games? I would consider that a major, major victory. And I know that sounds weak, but I'm just trying to be a realist here. Win three out of these next six games. And I, I can feel like, okay, we got through that stretch there. But this six-game stretch also scares me into thinking the Predators could lose five of six. And judging where they're already at in the standings, you lose five of these six games, then you're 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 in a you're you've already dug yourself a big hole here, and it's gonna it's gonna take like a lot of winning and very few losses to dig your way out of it. So this is just a huge stretch here that I'm focused on uh, coming up here. Let's get to our next segment here of Catfish and Ice. This is episode 157. Subscribe to our YouTube to YouTube channel and follow us on Twitter at Catfish Ice. Let me know how you're feeling about the Predators. Tweet the show. Let's look at the Central Division real quick. And let me discuss where I think the Predators fit in all this. Dallas Stars, they are – I got to put them ahead of the Avalanche now in my Central Division power rankings at this point. Um, it took me a while. It took me a while for the Dallas Stars to prove it to me. But I can't argue it anymore, especially after seeing their most recent win over – the Edmonton Oilers, they completely dominated the Edmonton Oilers on Saturday night to a 6-2 to two win. The Stars, they have a very impressive offense. They have sturdy goaltending with Jake Ottinger. 
They have a very quality defense to go with it. They play strong on special teams. Their new head coach, head coach Pete DeBoer, has them fired up. So I've got to have them as the number one team in my Central Division Power Rankings. I'm going to slot the Colorado Avalanche back to number two, despite a very ordinary start for their team by their standards. I'm putting them at number two. Then I will shift the Winnipeg Jets to number three, another pretty surprising team, I must say. Uh, they're 7-3-1 and one on the season, trying to keep pace with the Dallas Stars. Then is where it gets kind of tricky on who to rank where. I am going to put the Minnesota Wild at number, at number four in my rankings right now. Minnesota Wild at number four. Number five, I'm going to put the Nashville Predators, but I don't feel extremely confident in putting them there. But when I look at the other three teams, the Blackhawks, the Coyotes, and then how about the St. Louis Blues? They have lost six games in a row. They are a total disaster, so at least we don't have to feel that bad about the Predators right now because I can promise you the Blues had just as high, if not higher, preseason expectations. I had them pegged as my second best team in the division, and they are a complete disaster, three and six on the season. So I'm going to put the Predators at number five. I'll put the Blues at number six because I do think eventually they're going to figure it out. I'll put the Coyotes at number seven. And even though the Blackhawks are five, five, and two, I still don't, I, I think it's a little bit of fool's gold here with the Blackhawks. And eventually they are going to cave in. So I'll put the Blackhawks at number eight. That's my rankings as far as the Predators. You know, this six-game stretch coming up here is really where it's going to factor into where I want to put them long-term. But as of now, after winning these last two games, especially the win over Calgary, uh, get-up-off-the-mat type of win there, I've got to at least put them at number five and see if they can work their way higher up. That's my Central Division power rankings. Again, Dallas number one, Colorado number two, Winnipeg three, Minnesota four, Dallas five, St. Louis 6, Arizona 7, and the Blackhawks, I'm going to put them at number 8 in my power rankings. Despite them having a 5-5-2 five, five, and two record, I think it's fool's gold. I don't think they're end up being nearly that good as these games roll on and we get more into the middle of the season here. All right, so that has been episode 157 of Catfish on Ice, post-game reaction episode of the Predators beating the Vancouver Canucks in the shootout by a 4-3 to score. Jordan Gross gets his first two NHL goals. UC Soros battles hard after a tough first period, and the Predators get their fifth win of the season, their first two-game winning streak in North America, which is kind of weird to say, but they had two wins in Prague in the Global Series, and they got that one random win over the Blues, which didn't really mean too much to me, and then now... They've got themselves a little mini two-game winning streak with the Seattle Kraken up next. Not going to be easy to keep this winning streak going. Thanks, everybody, for listening. This has been your host, Chad Minton of Catfish on Ice Podcast. We'll have a brand-new live stream episode with my co-hosts, Rich Howe and Kyle Perkins, coming up later this week. Stay tuned for that. Take care, everybody. Enjoy your Sunday.